sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Live, and this is the early line on the Sports Grid Network, hour number two on this Monday morning. Kevin Walsh joined by Donnie Wrightside. Want to take a look at some of the big doings in Major League Baseball over the weekend. And, and there was one really difficult series result for the New York Yankees as they dropped two of three to the Baltimore Orioles. It was an embarrassing performance. There's no other way to put it. That offense has a lot of money poured into it, and they did not score in 26 of 29 innings in which they played versus the Baltimore Orioles. Two of those innings were extra innings with a ghost runner. They did not score in either of those innings. My question, though, Donnie, before we even get to Yankee panic or frustration, because some folks maybe not all too interested in that, the Baltimore Orioles have played nine games this year. They have not played an over yet for the Baltimore Orioles. You, you kind of think about some of the changes to the ballpark, Donnie. I, I mean, is, I don't know, did Baltimore fix their pitching a, a little bit here? I don't know if they fixed their pitching, but I'm sort of getting a little nervous here. And this is the reason why I don't bet Major League Baseball all that much in the month of April, particularly taking overs or team totals. You'll see me quite frequently, Kevin, here on unders during these early parts. And I'm sort of trying to get that mix or level out because I know the Orioles did change their ballpark a little bit, making it deeper in left field, which is certainly playing into it. Orioles and unders never made any sense. Even if the Orioles would only score one or two runs themselves, it was usually the other team coming in for nine at-bats and peppering them. But I sort of get nervous to say, you know, all the doctoring of the baseballs before, and now they're not checking the pitchers as much. Are we now seeing the return of the pitchers in full force where maybe the baseballs are dead? And also, Kevin, something that's not talked about a lot, Major League Baseball is very coy on this. If you remember coming in, let's just say when the Colorado Rockies went to Denver, first couple years out there, they actually were playing at Mile High Stadium. I mean, we know the ball travels incredibly well in that thin air. But Major League Baseball put a humidor in for the Colorado Rockies, and it, it helped out a little bit here. But Major League Baseball in just about every park now has humidors for the baseball, which is designed to not technically deaden it, but certainly not keep it as lively as it used to be. I'm a little bit worried about that because I'm seeing up and down the targets like, hey, the Yankees shouldn't be getting shut up by the Orioles here. I mean, something's amiss here in April, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, again, the thing is, like, and trust me, there's no Yankees coverage here. It's embarrassing. If any team was going to make a trade 10 games into a Major League Baseball, again, baseball is just, like, so archaic. Like, the notion of making a trade 10 games in, you'd, like, start firing people because, like, wow, my God, they just broke the sport. The Yankees should actively look into it. Uh, their offense has not been up to standard even remotely to start the season, not just the series in Baltimore. Uh, now, I mean, Esther Cortez was fantastic. He had an immaculate inning in this game. I mean, he, I mean, Esther Cortez pitched five innings of three-hit, 12-strikeout, one-walk baseball. And the story is the fact that the New York Yankees can't hit. It's, emba it's embarrassing what they are doing at the dish. But it is early season. We're trying to figure out the trends and, uh, you know, kind of what do we need to get ready for, right? Because, Donnie, even if we're going to up the ante, right, when we get outside of uh, April, right, totally understandable. But Baltimore, right, 
Last year was a team that I know certainly, you know, you would love to line it up and knock it down against last year. They cashed way more overs than unders, at least at Camden Yards. The early returns on the Baltimore Orioles are, you know, ones that you feel like you want to take a thousand step feet back from. But I will say this, though, if from, you know, kind of the ballpark changes that they are going to be the worst offense in Major League Baseball all year long. Like that, and I know they hit yesterday in the, in, the, in the eighth inning. That offense is terrible. The radio audience is with us here on a Monday morning. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wright side, Sirius XM Channel 159. Donnie Shohei Otani finally woke up at the dish, finally started to get it cracking. He had one game with two homers, another one over the weekend here. The Angels also... Started to pick it up a little bit. Winners of three in a row, sitting at six and four here. Otani starting to make a move. Yeah, things feeling a little bit better here now for the Angels because you're getting some of those performances out of the guys you anticipated, like Shohei Otani going yard and putting on that little cowboy hat after he circles the bases here. And you're probably going to see that at least 40 times this year is what you mm. would hope. But I do think Otani coming back with a big performance, but also. Did you get a little bit of a glimpse yesterday from the Angels? What happened? The first thing you thought of when Mike Track gets hit with a pitch in the hand. It's like, you know absolutely yep. he's going to go for an X-ray, and that's going to be a broken bone eight weeks. Thank goodness it wasn't here. So panic didn't ensue yet, but we were talking about the Angels after the opening series of the season going, man, this just feels like the Angels, what they do every year, underachieving. Now they sit at six and four, and maybe this is a little bit more of what we anticipated this season from the Angels than in the previous few years. My question on Shohei, who has now moved Donnie to plus 300 to an MVP. Mm -hmm. Vladdy's back at plus 350, a bit of separation. My question on Otani, I think he's going to hit all season long. I think he's going to be right in the race for the home run lead and all of that. What if the pitching, though, is below average? A bigger than four ERA. Like, does it hurt? Is it neutral? Is it still, ah, he pitches, Donnie? Like, what if he is a below-average pitcher? But, I mean, it, it depends on what you're saying with below-average. Like, is he going to strike out 180 guys this year? And is he going to go, like, 10-9 and nine with a 4-5 ERA? Because my understanding here is it was still supposed to help you, but he was so good last year that I actually think it might hurt him this year to have a winning record, mm -hmm. a lot of strikeouts, and a high ERA. Like, look, he got rocked in his second start in Texas. His next start's going to come against the Astros. He's already seen this team once. He he was good. But if Houston hits him up, it's it's something to follow. Again, it's very unique to break it down. A lot more coming right here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back here on Sports. Take a look at some of the... Uh headlines from Major League Baseball over the weekend and the New York Mets sit at seven and three and the pitching continues to be fantastic despite the fact that Jacob deGrom is not around uh, their seven and three record is so far the best uh in this early season in the National League East and, and in fact no nobody has more wins in baseball right now seven is the most that any teams have recorded so far Donnie what have you made of the fantastic start to the season for the New York Mets starting rotation <laughs> 
it's pretty wild when you would have to say the worst starting pitcher in your rotation with a 3.27 ERA is Max Scherzer. That's incredible because when you saw Jacob DeGrom go down, you said to yourself, Max Scherzer is going to have to hold this staff together, you know, with sticky tape and just trying to make it through shoestring almost here, right? And then we take a look and see Tyler McGill, 10, in, 10 and a third innings pitched, a zero ERA. Chris Bassett, 12 innings pitched, a .75 ERA. Carlos Carrasco, 10.2 innings pitched, a .04 ERA. Taiwan Walker, you got injured in the Phillies game, two innings that he started, zero ERA. And the same thing with Peterson, who was a spot starter yesterday, four and a third innings, a zero ERA. Throughout the opening part of the Major League Baseball season, the New York Mets, as if they needed any more help, are pitching to a 1.07 ERA to open the season. That is outrageous. So if you add DeGrom back, or now you could say, Kevin, hey, Jacob DeGrom, take all the time you need to get right because we got this thing right now. Yeah, so th this is the thing, right, Don? You know, talk about this a little bit here with the Mets coming into the year. My, you know, World Series winner, yeah, no one's doing victory laps 10 games into anything. I, you know, it wouldn't even warrant it. But the, the Mets, despite not having DeGrom, still have very good pitching. But also, they are markedly better in that lineup. It's, it will be very funny, Donnie, if the first DeGrom start back is seven and a third of unbelievable work, and it's a no decision because the other side of the field just gave you absolutely nothing at the dish. Yeah. But this team is going to hit as well. Ten games in, right? How soon is it to change odds? Well, listen, the FanDuel Sportsbook, Donnie, has narrowed that gap between Atlanta and the Mets. The Braves just plus 140. The Mets at plus 150. Narrow spaces there right now. It You know, the entire NL East, though, outside of the Mets, has started under 500. I, again, we're not, I don't think we're doing early season concerns thing. The one thing I would say, though, Donnie, the Yankees have lost more games to the Baltimore Orioles this year than the Tampa Bay Rays did last year. Like, you right? The Phillies, Donnie, you have said, what has constantly killed their chances to make a run. They can't beat the Miami Marlins. And we saw that again, Donnie. We saw that again here for the Philadelphia Phillies. There has to be some frustration with the early returns from this ball club. No, and there is a lot of frustration here because you expected the Phillies to hit right out of the gate. And finally, they got right on Saturday and said, okay, let's see if this can continue at least for one more day. And it certainly didn't as they got bounced by the Marlins. But isn't that the key indicator, Kevin, in so many divisions across baseball? We have, let's just say, five teams in the division, three really good teams, two basement teams. It's not so much what you do against the good baseball teams. It's what you do against the bad baseball teams because they add up. At the end of the season, you know, there's two things you look for. Hey, who are you going to play? Is it a really good team or a really bad team because when you're playing the really good teams you're looking to just keep your head above water let's take a series if we lose the series let's make sure we don't get swept but against the bad baseball teams like teams like the Baltimore Orioles just talking about the Yankees you have to clean up there if you expect to win divisions it's so much more about just hammering those bad teams and then seeing what you can do against the better teams no doubt about it. Now, taking a look, Don, at some of these games, we'll stick with that Mets team. As I mentioned, seven the most in baseball right now. That's tied with the Dodgers and the Giants at 7-2. and two. I have to think, Don, the Dodgers, who have won six games in a row, are staring right now at the standings and just like, 
man, if this if this team does this again, man, like, do we really need to win another 110 games to keep the Giants off of our tail? But the Mets are favorites here in their home ballpark around the minus 125 price. Miguel Donnie, the ace of all aces yeah. on the mound, but this total can't be serious. I mean, this total cannot be real. I get it. It's April. Donnie, this is a six and a half. We talk principal plays, man. A pregame six and a half, Donnie. What are we doing? Don't you dare tell me we're going under this number, Donnie. I mean, it's incredible to think that you would go under, but also let's remember, we sit here on April 18th, and the weather has been a disaster, quite frankly, to open the week up in so many spots here in Major League Baseball. Boston's weather's bad. Cleveland, Washington, New York Mets. It's all bad here because if you're going to take a look at two pitchers that are very good here, and then you're going to throw them into a drizzle and a rain and a wind blowing of close to 18 to 19 miles an hour across field, and couple that with a temperature of 46 degrees at first pitch. Doesn't sound a lot like you're going to get those hot bats coming to play, but you're right. Just because you play a Major League Baseball game and you see the wind and the weather not cooperating, it doesn't mean that the pitchers love this either. But a six and a half, I'm telling you, if I had a free bet on this game right now and I had to play it, I actually probably would still be going under the total in this game just because of how good the New York Mets starting pitching has been. And also, let's take a look at Alex Cobb on the mound. Doesn't have very many starts here. It's only faced 21 total batters. 252 mm-hmm. weighted on base average to lefties, 277 the righties, an XFIP of 199 on the season in my favorite. He's faced 21 batters, Kevin. 48% of those batters have struck out. So maybe the six and a half is a steal to the under. Here, here's the thing, right, Don? Sometimes you kind of joke, you know, yeah, I like this play today. Why do you like it? I don't know, man. It's April. Leave me alone. Like, yes. here's, Don, if it's if it's June and it totals six and a half and I, and I go, hey, I like over, and my answer is, well, it's six and a half, that doesn't suffice. In April, Donnie, I yeah. like over because it's six and a half. And that's the entire reason why. I mean, 3-3, yes. three, three, we're cashing tickets. 3-3, three, three, like, I mean, what is the Giants team total at 2.5? I mean, it's a it's a flat 3, and the Mets is a 3.5. I mean, c- come on, man. 6.5. Here's, here's my, again, Donnie, like, here's here's the thing, right? Like, it, it, is there any chance that tomorrow is, is it Logan Webb versus Max Scherzer? Like, because I'm pretty sure Scherzer is going tomorrow. Like, is... Is tomorrow a five, Donnie? Like, what's the... I mean, what's the deal here? Tomorrow, it's Logan Webb versus Max Scherzer, Donnie. If Cobb McGill is six and a half, are we getting five... Donnie, are we going to get a five and a half pregame? We might, let me see. I'm just doing a little bit of research here. We're going to go to uh, Queens weather for Tuesday, and it's still a high of 52 with a low of 41. So we might actually, you know what? I preface it. I'm going to change it. No, it can't be because why? Max Scherzer is the worst pitcher on the Mets staff. So you probably have to get at least <laughs> what, a seven or a seven and a half at that yeah, range yeah, if you yeah. take a look at just these April numbers. But we're not getting any warmer, and that's always going to be damaging there to the overs. Again, so I, I feel now I feel good about the over. If Miguel Cobb, Donnie, tomorrow is not going to be five and a half, by the way. It's not. They're not. It's it, they can't do that. I like I don't I don't know if it's allowed. I don't know if you're allowed to hang a pregame nine inning game. Uh, like Donnie, I saw that number and I'm like, wait, are we back to double headers, seven inning double headers? Like, did I yeah. did I miss something all, all of a sudden here? 
Tomorrow is Scherzer Webb. The total is going to be the exact same. You have, I have to go over six and a half here with Miguel Cobb. I just, I don't see any other way to play it. I can't believe that is the, like, what are you getting? Like plus 130 on every single guy to record a hit, Donnie? I mean, like, what is it? Yeah. Like hitter prop parlays are paying out at four to one in this, in this baseball game? Yeah, home run props start at 10 to 1 for either one of, the, either one of these teams here. I mean, it's probably going to be incredible stuff to look at. You're right. It really is. 10 oh, to man. One. All right, so here's what we're... Robbie Cano. Exactly. Listen, hey, Bobby Cano is going to go out there, man, juice, juice it up and, and get after it. Uh, uh -huh. we got some more baseball we're going to preview for you. The NBA playoffs, we mentioned it back in action. Three games tonight, all game number twos. A lot for us to break down. You got it right. You got it right here. It is the early line on Sportsbook. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hitting some more of this baseball Board starts very early today, 11 a.m. in Boston, Donnie, as the Red Sox close out their four-game set with the Minnesota Twins. Around a minus 140, minus 145 favorite with Rich Hill on the mound. The total for this one is eight and a half. I have to admit, I'm semi-scarred seeing Rich Hill on the mound. Donnie and I were live on Moneyline, which, by the way, begins oh. at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sports Grid Radio. Had an over in a Rich Hill start. And it was as if he was so bad, the Tigers, who they were going up against, were like, I don't know what to do with this 86-mile-per-hour junk coming right over the heart of the plate. Maybe Minnesota, Donnie, is more hip to the game here and takes advantage. They got Dylan Bundy throwing. What do you like today in Boston, Minnesota? Yeah, typically you would take a look at this game like, hold on, Boston, Minnesota in Boston here, small ballpark, two pitchers struggling early season, at least with their XFIP numbers here. And then you try to take a look and say, oh, yeah, that's right. It's April 18th and it's 47 degrees at first pitch and a wind blowing in in Boston. So, again, as much as we all hate to say this, the under is probably going to come into play when it should never come into play at an eight or an eight and a half type number here that you're going to see at Fenway. But that's just the times where we're at. If we're looking even early on in the season, if we take a look at Rich Hill, the lefty on the mound, XFIP number through only 19 batters is a 6.38. It's ridiculous here. And quite frankly, the left-handed batters, which he's only faced a few of them this year, have got to him. But if we look overall and say, well, how does this lineup for Minnesota look against lefties early in the season? There's not many at-bats to work off of. Most of these guys, six at-bats, 11 at-bats, 14 at-bats in that range. But if we take a look again, the ISO power number, which is what you want to look at if you're trying to score runs, Arias, a zero, Polanco, a zero, Kepler, a, a .1, uh, Sano, zero. Jeffers, zero. Celestino, zero. It's still early in the season. We're trying to work some things out. But if I'm going to get colder temperatures and a team already struggling against lefties, I'm going to have an issue. And then if you take a look at Dylan Bundy on the opposite side, early season returns, only 18 batters he's faced so far, but a 5.61 XFIP number, and he's only striking out 11% of the batters, which usually is fantastic for Boston. Not striking anybody out, which means the ball is going to be in play. Where do I sign up? Not me. I'm signing up to the under in this game. Cold temperatures. 
One thing to take a look at, though, Xander Bogart, still in Bundy, former AL Easter with the Baltimore Orioles for many years. So some of these guys in the lineup have seen him plenty. Xander Bogart has had a lot of success in his career, especially if you're looking to play in the two-plus bases markets. A 30... Uh, Look, he hits 33-33 versus Bogarts, but 12 hits, four doubles, three home runs. So that's really big there. Again, if you're looking for two-plus bats, because sometimes multi-hit games can be tough to come by. Those are significantly, you know, uh, more plus money. Plus 200 for two-plus hits. It's minus 105 for two bags. If this guy's getting extra base hits and he was really hot at the plate yesterday, that can certainly pan out for you. How about Donnie White Sox Guardians? The best offense in Major League Baseball and the White Sox. I got to tell you, DRS, the Guardians being favored versus the Chicago White Sox, and it's not Shane Bieber, is a surprise to me. Seven and a half is the number. It's Dallas Keuchel going for the Southsiders. What do you think about Cleveland entering this one as a favorite? By the way, it was minus 112. This thing's up to minus 126 now. Yeah, and if we take a look here, first pitch, light rain, 37 degrees, and a crosswind blowing from the left foul pole over to the right foul pole. Get used to it. This is what we're going to have on a lot of these, unless we're playing with some of the games later with San Diego, Oakland, and the Dodgers. These weather temperatures are terrible, which is why you're getting a seven and a half here with the best offensive team in Major League Baseball. But if we take a look here at the Cleveland hitters, who have certainly been decent this year, but they haven't been all that decent against left-handed pitching. And Keuchel, who's only faced, what, 21 batters on the season, a nice tidy XFIP of 2.40. And if we take a look at the anticipated starting lineup today for the Guardians, Kevin, a lot, you know, you're going to mismatch some of those lefties and righties. They haven't done all that well against lefty pitching. And then if we take a look here at the Chicago White Sox hitters, what's the first thing that we always try to line up? Hey, is a lefty on the mound versus the White Sox? No, not today. It's going to be Shane Bieber. Now, his XFIP number is a little bit high at a 5.01 because he's walking a little bit too many guys here. Strikeout percentage, you'd like to see a little bit higher. But quite frankly, take a look at this. 37 at-bats. Excuse me, 37 batters that he's faced this year. 238 weighted on base average to lefties and a 191 to righties. Freezing cold temperatures again, Kevin. Let's get the same read on this game. Under. Mm, seven and a half certainly uh, justifies the spot there. The one thing I will uh, mention... You know, when you get to these division matchups, if you're someone who likes to bet baseball off of uh, hitter profiles and success that they've, you know, had priors, division baseball, you'll really find yourself comfortable in. For example, Jose Ramirez has had success versus Dallas Keuchel throughout his career. Jose Ramirez, plus 105 for two-plus total bases. Those are the kind of numbers that, again, if you trust those They'll work out there. It's always, though, with, with that stuff, right? Because Donnie has the ability to break down those advanced numbers, which I think really make a difference. You'll, you see it, you'll, you'll hear it tomorrow when we do Dinger Tuesday. It really does. It's really, really impactful. But sometimes a guy just has a guy's number. Jose Abreu just has Corey Kluber's number. We saw that over the weekend there. You want to just try and find your sweet spot of a sample size, though. That's always kind of one of the big things. Jose Ramirez makes some sense here. I think enough time, Donnie, for us to at least bring up one more game. The Angels and the Astros will do it again. And it's going to be the second time for the Angels that they see Luis Garcia. But it's not Otani on the other side. It's Lorenz. Minus 166 for Houston at home. Total for this one is a nine spot. What do you think about the Astros and the Angels? 
Yeah, it seems a little high here. Now, also, you're going to want to check to see if Mike Trout got hit with a pitch yesterday. It's not going to be in the lineup because that's certainly probably dictating early of what we anticipate why this line is so high. And if we're looking at the anticipated starting lineups, Trout is not in it. I'm seeing Otani, Rendon, Walsh, Stassi, Marsh, Rojas, Adele, Wade, and Velasquez in the lineup tonight. So that could be a little bit of a foiler. But also, if you already do say, I want to line up these numbers because, quite frankly, it looks like the Angels have a pretty good matchup against Garcia, the righty. Garcia coming in. He's only faced 16 batters on this early season, Kevin. But an XFIP from those 16 batters, 8.90. Why? He's only striking out 6% of the batters that he's faced here. But if we take a look at the lineup tonight versus right-handed hitters, excuse me, versus right-handed pitchers in this Angels lineup, a lot of these guys have had 20, 25 at-bats. And if we go down the list, Otani, 292 ISO power number versus righties. Walsh, 250. Stasi, 364. Marsh, 308. Adele, 471. You still got some decent hitters in the lineup tonight. And if we flip it over and take a look at how Houston matches up with the plate against Lorenzen, Lorenzen's been good. He's he's only faced 20 batters this year, but his XFIP number is a 2.20. Why? Because he's striking out over 33% of the batters that he's faced. So roughly a third of the guys coming to the plate have been sat down. He hasn't walked anybody yet. I think you might have a live dog situation here today with the Angels, Mm. and you would only get an added. Look, if you like the Angels now, you probably should take them. Because the minute they announce if Trout is in the lineup, that juice is going to change. How about a guy, though, Donnie, on a player prop with the best last name in the game, Jared Walsh, 11 at-bats versus Louis Garcia. Seven hits, two doubles, two home runs, six RBIs. He's walked three times as well. Jared Walsh, very comfortable at the dish. And by the way, if Trout's out, Slides up that lineup a little bit. Grab yourself an extra at-bat possibly there as well. He's plus money for two-plus bases. I think we make the turn now, Don, to the NBA. We'll have plenty of time to break down three game number ones tonight. Here's where I want to start, though. It's with an updated series price, and I'm interested if you'll agree. Dallas down 1-0 is plus 430. That's a little too grandiose. What I do like, though, Donnie, is Dallas plus two and a half games. It's plus 106. For those that don't know, for those that have not bet series spreads, that would mean that the Mavericks have to push this to a sixth game. If the Jazz sweep or win in five, you would lose this bet. If Dallas wins the series, obviously. If this, if they just play a sixth game, then you will be able to win this bet. I think that Don Ingham will be able to break down game number one. I think Dallas will be live tonight. And if they do lose, I think you start to make it a little bit more likely. You see Luka Doncic in game number three and really Donnie if Luca comes back for game four and you can just it's 3-0 Donnie Luca comes back for game number four right and they win that game then all you need is for Luca to win game five in Dallas and force that sixth game I ultimately think Utah will win this series even with a returning Doncic but I think Dallas can still win two games in the series Donnie it's plus 106 for the Mavs plus two and a half games I don't think so. Like, if I were a betting man in this series, I would take the Utah Jazz at minus 2.5 at the minus 130 and probably look at this at four games at a plus 190. I'm just trying to lay out what the game plan Mm. for the Mavericks would be heading into the offseason. Do you want Luka being damaged? Do you want him actually get surgery on that calf? Because it's pretty clear. He sat out game one. Was it a closer game than anticipated? I mean, maybe so. Dallas hung around, which I anticipate they'll hang around again tonight. But then you go down 0-2 on the road in elevation. And keep in mind, when you have a calf injury, 
how much are you actually getting here, Kevin, right? How much you know, mm-hmm. strength and conditioning are you yeah. working on that calf by jogging up and down a basketball court? I don't think so here. So if I think they don't win tonight or the next game they play, I don't think they're going to win a game in Utah. I'll take the plus 90 with a four-game sweep. I I think trying to get that kind of plus money, right? Because here's the thing, Donnie. What do you need, right, in order to feel good about that? You just need this game, right? You just need this game. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, we've got ourselves now in a nice position here. The one thing I would say, look at this total, Donnie, 205 and a half. If we're going to play this game, neither team is touching 100, we're going to go right down to the wire each and every game probably, right? That's kind of the expectation. It's one stop here, one basket here, and the whole thing swings. I really believe, and this kind of will we'll hit it a little bit more specifically, I really believe Dallas is live tonight versus the Utah Jazz. Three game number twos all tipping off tonight. We'll break those down next right here on the Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live with you here on SportsGrid. Tonight's NBA board. We just talked a little bit about the Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks, game number two in Dallas, and what we are anticipating from that series, Donnie. Let's just close this game out then. Uh, Dallas plus the six, and the total for this one is 205 and a half. I think Dallas hangs. I think they've got a legitimate chance to win this basketball game, and I think this is a spot, right, Donnie? I think this does cross the threshold. This could be a Jazz win and a Mavericks cover at a six marker here. I think this one's close. I want nothing to do with this total of two of five and a half. What do you think of the night, Jazz Mavs? Yeah, that total is extremely low. And this is one of those where you start to hear the words, you know, zigzag come in because of how important these playoff games are. And the reason you don't really hear too much about the regular season because teams are going to go on winning streaks. Teams are going to have their losing streaks and injuries. But in the playoffs, it's so important to end the final game if it's a loss to pick up the next one with a W. And quite frankly, if you are the Dallas Mavericks, this should be a kitchen sink game. Now, you don't have Luka Doncic, but at the same time, I think the Mavericks know their fans, the organization, front office coaches and players. We lose this game. You're already making plans on your offseason a lot earlier than you probably thought you would have been doing. Hence, Luka Doncic's not getting injured in the final game of the season. So I do think the Dallas Mavericks will be game here. Do I want to lay the six with the Utah Jazz? Not necessarily. Five and a half, five. We'll see where it gets down to at game time. I do think Utah wins this game. But it's okay. You don't have to bet every game and get down with it because if you're under the notion where I think the Utah Jazz win, I just don't know if they cover it. You probably shouldn't be betting the game anyway. But having said that, I'm not betting the Mavericks here without Luka Doncic. But do I think they're going to put up an effort that says, hey, at least let's force a game five back here in Dallas and see Mm -hmm. if we can extend the series to get Luka back? This is the game to do it. Look, here's the thing, man. For me, I said it. I like Dallas and all that. There's nothing better, though, than this Donovan Mitchell points problem. It's... It's going to probably take the, the the books a bit here. By the time this series is done, Donnie, they'll be hanging 30 and a half, though. He has gone over 27 and a half. It was 26 and a half in the first game in 14 of his last 18 playoff games. And, Donnie, how about, like, we always write, like, bad beats, right? 
and a bad people. Ah, oh, man, they didn't foul at the end. This guy missed a free throw. This, like, yes, that's tough. A bad beat, Donnie, is betting under points on Donovan Mitchell. He scores two in the first half, and you eat a loss. But that's what Donovan Mitchell is going to do, Donnie. He is going to fill it up. He is going to shoot. I mean, Donnie, he shot 29 times in the opening yeah. game of this series. What do you and I always talk about? One of the, uh, you know, I mean, Donnie and I agree on a good amount of stuff, but maybe nothing more than this, Donnie. If I'm betting props to the over, give me volume. Give me volume, and the rest will kind of figure itself out. Exactly. Like, you're not going to take a guy that says, hey, he's got his points prop is a six and a half, but he only shoots three times a game. Like, oh, it looks easy to do, but if you're not taking enough shots to even cover, it doesn't make sense. I want the guy that says, you know what? If I take a three-point prop like with Donovan Mitchell or if I take a points prop with him, mm -hmm. you know what you live with? Two for 13 from three-point range. You go, man, he kept firing, but it just wasn't there. You know what you can't take? Oh, boy, I missed my first three three-pointers. I'm not going to shoot again for the rest of the night. Donovan Mitchell is going to be on the court and be a centerpiece the entire time, and that's what we look for when we take points props. I remember um, we were doing the in-play sports tonight. It was during last year's postseason. And so I was like, man, I just need a Jimmy Butler three to, like, close out my parlay. And I mean, like at the time, we're like, oh, that doesn't sound like too much. And then we're like looking through some of the Jimmy Butler game logs, and it's like, he doesn't even shoot threes. What? Yeah. That, that's what do you do? What do you do? What are you doing there? Like that doesn't feel worth it at all. That volume can make such a difference. It just provides you that margin for error, right? Donovan Mitchell gets hot. He's gonna score 35. And if he's ice cold, he still scored 32 points. Sixers Raptors. So here's the thing: you might see this seven and a half and say overreaction city. Injuries are hitting Toronto at the worst time. Scotty Barnes, Garrett Trent Jr., Thad Young. Two starters and a relevant bench piece all right now looking doubtful for this basketball game here, Donnie. The number is 7.5. The total's 217. What are your expectations? Here's my expectations. The Philadelphia 76ers are going to win this basketball game. And even if the Toronto Raptors were full-go starters, I still think that would have been the same. But if you're looking for Toronto, it almost feels like, okay, we went out in game one, didn't go our way, and we got injured. Our point of reference for this series to try to get back into it is don't get anybody else injured here in Philadelphia. Circle the wagons when we get back in Toronto. Hopefully we can pick up games three and four before we head back to Philadelphia for a game five where now the pressure is back on the Philadelphia 76ers. But it's still the NBA. You still have to play these games. The Sixers have still come up small quite a bit in the playoffs when we thought they should have won a game or a series. But having said that, if Gary Trent Jr. doesn't play, and also if you take a look at Scotty Barnes, who's been very good this year, he doesn't play. Instead of for me saying, you know what? I want to take the Sixers at a minus seven and a half, or I want to take Toronto. I think they give a big effort. You know who's going to have yeah. unlimited range tonight and unlimited usage rate? It's Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet is going to mm -hmm. take this game as one of those, like, hey, if you have me in a DFS lineup, watch me go absolutely off. Why? Because I'm the only guy out here. It's me and Siakam. One of us is going to have to go for 40 points tonight if we anticipate to win this game. So if I'm looking at three-point props, it's Van Vliet. Points props, it's Van Vliet. Rebounds, assists. It's Van Vliet for me tonight. If they have any chance of competing, he's going to have to go mm -hmm. nuts, Ken. Look, it's a really good point when you think about what they've lost in that starting backcourt with Trent Jr. Uh, FVV plus uh, 110 for over three and a half made threes jumps out. Harden over two and a half at plus 114 jumps out. Four of seven in game number one. And again, that was an off-shooting night for James Harden. I think that can start to line up here. I'd be cautious on the seven and a half. 
I think Toronto is going to come out with a lot of fire in this basketball game. Ultimately, I think the 217 plays to the under. I think the game number one uh, situation was more outlier. You know, I mean, I mean, the game, you know, 240 some odd points there was certainly not what was anticipated, Donnie. And you see the total maybe comes up a bounce here in this game. I think this game plays under the 217 tonight, which again means you probably should be cautious on props. Before we move on to the to the last one here, Embiid 32 and a half. It's not the regular season. I think the Raptors are just they're too good defensively, Donnie. It was 33 and a half in Game One. Is that a number you're comfortable backing and beat at now that we're into the playoffs? No, it's not. It's not because I think it's different surroundings. And also, how many times, Kevin, do we come on and say, you know, if there's one guy that knows social media and knows his surroundings, it's Joel Embiid. So Joel Embiid's going to go, it's like, okay, I want to be the MVP. How do I do that? I need 30 points. I need 35 points. I need 15 rebounds. Mm -hmm. I need double-doubles every night. We need to win basketball games. He gets that. Now, granted, would you like to see that in the playoffs for Joel Embiid? Absolutely. But the pressure isn't there anymore. As you saw him get 19 points in the last game. If he's Joel Embiid, hey, would you rather do it? Go for 35 in a close game? or pick up 19 points and breeze to a victory over Toronto. He'd probably tell you breeze to a victory because you're not being measured right now on MVP rankings when you're going to go up against the Toronto Raptors. So when I see those high point totals, can he get there? Absolutely. But also, keep in mind, if we expect the Sixers to win and win handily, Joel Embiid's probably going to be a big part of that. But at the same time, is Joel Embiid going to be on the court with five minutes to go when he still needs another three or four points? Yeah, that's a... It's the number just feels so high for the playoffs. Yeah. You have to understand. I know what Embiid was doing in the regular season, but they were playing very bad teams down the back end. There, it it, it was so easy for him. I mean, he was like twenty five points at the break against like the Pacers, like that. You know what I mean? Like it was just so easy for Embiid. It's not. This is not a matchup. I think where it's as easy. It's not a slight towards Embiid. He'll have one. And I, the other, the funny thing as well, if you're Embiid, right? and you're going to try to ratchet it up, that's going to be way more important in Toronto. In, on the road, in their building there to try and quiet that crowd than in Philadelphia. Late game, Donnie, is Denver and Golden State. The Denver Nuggets catching seven points here, total 223 and a half. It's an interesting spot, right? You know, kind of old cliche, series doesn't start until the road team takes one here. I can't necessarily tell you that Denver is... Um, if you if you really like the Nuggets, right? I don't think you're like, oh, they absolutely have to have to have to take one of the first two. If you do, that's gravy. But similarly, Donnie, in the way that I feel, the Sixers have a lot of pressure in tonight's game. They need to have it. I don't think Golden State has that. Like again, everybody wants to win. It's the playoffs. Talking about though, like wild overreactions aren't coming for me in this spot here. But what do you make of the seven? What do you make of the two twenty three and a half? Maybe some player props. I think the seven is pretty strong in this game. I do. But having said that, I think I'm under the same, you know, guys as you with the Denver Nuggets. Hey, let's see what we get tonight. If not, it doesn't work out. We'll go back to our home court, see what we can do in elevation. And maybe Steph Curry isn't up to all the wear and tear here. Because I'm also waiting to see what we get out of Steph Curry. It's not so much about the first performance that you see, which Steph was pretty good in that game. It's the second performance. It's okay. I was running around on that ankle and that leg. Let me see how it responds in game two. And we'll also see if his minutes increase or if they stay the same. But if I look at the same way I'm opening the season to the end of the season, and now what I'm getting here in the playoffs from the Warriors, they're just a better team than the Nuggets overall. And typically when you see a line, six or seven, we already brought it up with the Utah Jazz, and I'm not betting that game, but if you think the Jazz are going to win, it's a pretty good margin of between six, six and a half, and five. 
that if Utah wins, they're going to cover the spread. And it's the same thing about the Golden State Warriors tonight. I would be shocked if the Denver Nuggets won, which means I would be foolish if I'm going to say Golden State's going to win, not also take them at that seven-point price line as well. Man, it's it's such an interesting spot, right? You maybe want to line up like these player performance doubles on Golden State. But one thing, Donnie, right, and I always, you know, we kind of look at this like, Donnie is a, let's see what this number comes out to here. Plus 149, Warriors, Jazz, Sixers, Moneyline, Parlay, Donnie, just all, hey, no worries, no sweats, right? Like, doesn't it feel like, Donnie, like nice. somewhere, somehow, you're going to get tripped up with, with a three-pack of action like that. I don't know if it comes in the late game here. I'm interested by the total, though, 223 and a half. You were able to get to that number with, you know, Denver really not carrying any weight in it. They had a huge fourth quarter. I understand that. 70 total points put up on the board, but these are offenses that can catch fire. The big thing for this basketball game, and you'll notice, right, player, you know, Jokic, Draymond Green, Monty Morris props are there, but there's no Steph Curry props. I don't know if Steph's starting in this basketball game. Steve Kerr's a little wild. I, Steve Kerr, I think, likes a good gimmick, right? Jordan Poole's even crazier, who slightly is like, I, I probably am better than Steph at this point in his career. And, like, they asked him, Don, hey, like, you know, do you think you should stay in the starting lineup? And he went, no comment. Brother, here's the comment. No. That's the comment. Steph is going to come back. Because, like, you know what's funny, Donnie? If we get to, like, game four, Jordan Poole is, like, actively showing bad body language because he's bothered they put Steph back in the starting lineup and things start to tear at the seams in Golden State. Yeah, know your role. And this brings up a nice little, you know, since we're in the playoffs with the Philadelphia 76ers, there was a time where Allen Iverson made his return to Philadelphia, but there was a guy named Andre Iguodala who told the Sixers front office, yeah, I'm still going to be announced last in starting lineups because it's my basketball team. Know your role and know your place. No comment. Get out of here with that. Uh, man, not, Donnie, Iggy didn't understand. He was trying to ring the I'm bell the before every game. Yeah. Yeah, who's the real AI at that point, right? Come on, now. man. Oh, I mean, this guy Andre Iguodala. I mean, Don, he's still kicking around this Golden State team. Like, does anybody even know that? I mean, yeah, I, I saw the other day someone tweet, "Man, we interview Andre Iguodala before this big series versus the Denver Nuggets." Well, as an analyst, I mean, yeah, I mean, what, for what? For for? what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe we'll play. Maybe we'll play it on radio today, man. We'll see. Yep. Oh, but then again, Don, Donnie drives the bus now. Yeah, I mean, I got booty, so I gotta. Yeah, I don't know. If I gotta make sure I, 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 I play the role. Mm -hmm. I gotta stay on top. Extra of long answers All right. today. Make yep. make sure you make sure you listen up though. Because the early line, not done just yet. This is Sports Group. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, last segment of the day, right here on the early line, Sirius XM Channel 159. And yes, Sports Grid Radio is here throughout the remainder of this spring. And the reason why I'm bringing up the key word for spring here is there is spring football, which quite frankly, I don't follow all that much in NCAA action. The Miami Hurricanes did have their spring game this weekend, but also so did UCF. 
and they did something very interesting. And for me, I don't really know about this. So I'm going to explain it to you. So you, yeah, listen up here. All right, UCF, let's get to the bottom of this one here. The point being is sometimes are we out here doing too much? I understand that in the offseason, there is NIL money that's thrown around here in NCAA college football, baseball, basketball, and football. And you're trying to maximize the marketability of your players. So maybe it's a little bit more attractive to come to your school for guys like Gus Malzahn, head coach here of UCF. So what they tried to do over the weekend put QR codes on the back of their player's jersey. So if you're watching the game from the stands, I don't even know how this is possible to do, or if you're watching from, I guess, a local TV feed, that you would have your phone out quick enough to snap a picture of the back of a running player's jersey to find out who that player actually is. I got news for UCF. You know how I usually find out who a player is in college football? Yeah. I look at the number, and I look at the name. Oh, that's the guy that I'm rooting for right there who I think is a good football player. I'm actually not actively going into NCAA football saying, who can I sponsor? Let me run a couple QR codes here to see if I can actually find out who this player is and how I can get in touch with them. How about just finding out the kid's name and number and calling the kid or the school to get that money? Come on, UCF. We're doing way too much out here early in the spring. You know who's not doing too much? Ben Stevens in the morning after coming up next right here on The Grid. And over the first hour, PRS will be there. <laughs>